Back to the Future movie review. Because where we're going, we don't need roads. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. It won the poll. You got, it won got the it poll. Yes, it did. Mm-hmm. So this is the movie we're going to review because it the poll and won on the poll. So I thank you guys who did um, vote on it. We very much appreciate your feedback. And from someone who's a Back to the Future fan, I especially give shout out thanks to those of you who did vote Back to the Future. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but Sick Life of Walter Mitty, I do gotta say, was close. Yeah. So that, that should get an honorable mention, yep. at least. Mm-hmm. But back to the future. I, I, I'm just gonna say right now, mm-hmm. I am, out of the two of us, the, ba- the bigger Back to the Future fan. I'll give it to you any day. <laughs> I, I have watched this movie so many times that I feel like I can quote it. And I do. Mm-hmm. Like, if you watch it with me, I will quote certain parts of this film. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember just starting, like, watching when I was around fifth grade. You know, I, I remember getting the Back to the Future trilogy when my parents, you know, took me to Walmart because I got a good grade on my report card. They usually rewarded me for mm. getting something. And I remember going to the DVD aisle, seeing Back to the Future there, $20 for the trilogy. And I was like, huh. Three movies for $20? Sure. <laughs> and I remember watching it, and wow, I gotta say, haven't been quite the same since. Mm-hmm. Uh, Back to the Future. Er, er, I could go on forever about just my fandom for Back to the Future. I could spend this entire podcast going about my fandom for Back to the Future. <laughs> but I will not, because I'm sure you guys don't want to hear that as much. <laughs> but just to say, I've liked Back to the Future for a long time. Yeah. And I'm excited, really excited to talk about this movie. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the movie. It was good. Yeah. I'd watched it probably, it's been a while since I watched it last time. Uh, not many that I know actually have it, but I'd probably watched it at a friend's house. Uh, maybe. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I I, I enjoy it. And it's, it's uh, I enjoy seeing the movie that, is also in pop culture. Like, the yeah. things in this movie are pop culture. What he wears, the iconic, you know, the iconic uh, car that yeah, he drives. Yeah, the DeLorean made it so iconic. Because mm-hmm. back in the day, it came out a few years before this movie came out. A total flop. No one got it. No one liked it. Mm-hmm. And then this movie brought the DeLorean back. And now it's like this cult kind of thing where it's like, you know, you kind of want this car from this awesome movie, you know? Yeah. So that is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these quotes, too, like, the movie has so many quotable lines, it's just awesome. Mm-hmm. I-, I just said one of many. <laughs> so many quotable lines. Yeah. We could do this entire podcast, too, of quotable lines from Back to the Future. <laughs> but we won't. <laughs> but, yeah. So so with Back to the Future, uh, there are... Why don't we start with positives? Because okay. there are, there are... I'm sure there are some good positives with this yeah. film. You can... Let's just start with uh, Michael J. Fox. Oh, Michael J. Fox, man. As Marty McFly. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect casting. Because just to have him in this movie is great. Yeah. Because he originally wasn't going to be able to play Marty McFly. So for those of you who don't know, Michael J. Fox, the actor, was part of a show called Family Ties yeah. back when Back to the Future was going to be filmed. And there was no way that he was going to be able to do this film because the filming for this movie was taking place at the same time as Family Ties was being filmed. So they couldn't let go of him on his contract. 
even though he was the first choice by the writer and filmmaker to play Marty. So they got a different actor. His name was Eric Stoltz. And they filmed for five weeks with this guy, but they just didn't feel like he was giving the right comedy for this movie. So they made a bold choice in getting rid of Eric Stoltz and getting Michael J. Fox, hmm. which at that point they had filmed a lot of this episodes for Family Ties. And so it was really up to Michael J. Fox if he wanted to do this movie, which he did, of course. And so he worked constantly on this film. Hmm. Like, he would he would shoot uh, Family Ties during the day because that was his top priority for filming. And at night, he would film scenes for Back to the Future and yeah. Weekends. And, like, he was so tired because he would only get, like, three hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. So he would film till, like, three in the morning and then go to sleep for three hours, get up at six, and then film for Family Ties for all day until, like, seven, eight o'clock when he would go and film Back to the Future for the rest of the night. Like, just to give this awesome performance with only three hours of sleep most days yeah. is awesome. Like, his comedic timing is on point. Just the, his facial expressions are just awesome. I love that expression when he's in the bar with his dad and he realizes that's his dad, McFly, you know, and he just kind of just like, you kind of peek over the face and he sees his reaction, his eyes reaction of what his dad looks like and mm-hmm. that his dad is a wimp and it just, you know, it's funny. Or, or like when, you know, he's on the bed and his mom is like flirting with him and like mm-hmm. just his look of trying to inch away from her and that look of horror on his Ma. face. Ma. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it, it's just awesome because mm-hmm. you need to really like your main character. Otherwise, you may not like the film, but Michael J. Fox perfect casting yeah he, he's awesome mm-hmm. um doc brown christopher lloyd oh, yeah so good he's iconic in other things that i watch too man oh yeah mm-hmm. he's awesome and the thing about him which is funny i, I know a lot of back behind the scenes stuff at back to the future by the way mm. so i might uh go on that a little bit throughout this podcast but when they were looking for doc brown they christopher lloyd i think was the first person to cool. audition they took one look at him with, like, his hair, his crazy hair and stuff, and they knew immediately he was their Doc Brown. And boy, is he awesome. From just his mannerisms, his... Great Scott! Oh, iconic, I love it. To, like, his his just kooky attitude, mm. and even just his look sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, the one scene where Lorraine is at, with Marty, you know, mm-hmm. at Doc's house, yeah. and after she introduces herself to Doc... As she goes to Marty, his he, look of just going behind the car and yeah. circling around Marty is just like, oh, it's so very. It's, she can just see all the stuff he's saying just by his yeah, eyes, j- just from that look. Yeah, and just sometimes like it, like when something's going wrong, it's like, <gasps> like <laughs> oh, it's he's just so good in this movie. <laughs> oh. and that's not just both of them are good because for a movie you can get two good actors, mm. but they might not have good chemistry together. These guys have good chemistry. Like, when they're, you know, going back and forth with each other, you can definitely tell, like, the the friendship that they have and also the bond and just how they're able to riff off of each other. Like, I think that just makes it awesome, makes it super funny. Yeah. And it's just kind of cool to see those two interact with each other. Like, especially if it's a buddy cop, you know, kind of thing. Like, you need the two actors to work well together. Mm -hmm. And these two, since they're the two main stars of the film, work super well together. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Um, I like the look of the town when he goes back into 1955. Oh, 
it looks great. Because mm-hmm. you can definitely see a contrast when you, you start the movie with a dirty, grimy, mm-hmm. 80s kind of setting. Mm-hmm. Which, I didn't grow up in the 80s, so I don't know if it looked as grimy as they portrayed it in this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm sure my parents, since they grew up in the 80s, probably have a different viewpoint on that. But, I, and, but it's just kind of cool to see that contrast. Like, like, like I said, you know, the dark gray stuff. And then when you get to the 50s, everything looks so brand new. Mm-hmm. Looks like they just fell off the assembly line with the cars and the buildings. Like, even when Marty goes to the school, you know, to... It's not, like, parents, spray... It doesn't have, like, junk all over or it. Or spray-painted yeah. words on it. It looks brand new, which is basically mm-hmm. what he says. Wow, they really cleaned this place up. It looks brand new. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that just kind of shows the period of the 50s. Like, because I think the 50s, how we kind of view it from history as this... You know, time in America where it's like, you know, apple pie, yep. Americanism. Post-war. Every- yeah, yep, celebration. Post-war. Woo-hoo. Yep, everything's great. You mm-hmm. know, midtown America, you know, suburb America. You know, everything looks neat and proper and stuff. It, it, you just kind of see that. I think it kind of harkens back to a time which seems a little bit more innocent. Even though it really wasn't an innocent time because we were starting, you know, the Cold War and mm-hmm. all that stuff. I don't know exactly when the Cold War started, but I think it was late fifties. Yeah, sure me yeah. correct. But still, like it, it just you get that viewpoint of the fifties. Mm-hmm. And I also like talking about the fifties, like seeing you know teenagers kind of roam and hangouts mm-hmm. like that. The fifties was the birthplace of the teenage culture, mm-hmm. and so I like seeing like teenagers kind of hang out at loose cafe or mm-hmm. like at school with their outfits and stuff. Kind of reminds me of Happy Days. I don't know if you've ever watched Happy mm. Days. But that's a show set in the 1950s. And you just feel that kind of wholesome kind of time a little bit. Which is a just contrast from the 80s and stuff. Which I, I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Definitely for sure. Yeah. Um, I have some... Like the ones that I've been saying. These are like things you can't miss in uh, the Back to the Future movie. Uh, I love the beginning to the title yeah like just kind of like you mean like when the title comes up yeah with all like the director and like the producers mm-hmm. and it's the the music but there isn't really that much music no it's really clocks yeah it's just it, yeah the time yeah but i'll even go a step further like i like what they do with that opening is they tell you a lot of information yeah without really you know feeling ham-fisted or like shoving it down your throat because you learn a lot. Mm-hmm. You get the intro to the car, which the car that Marty gets at the end is Stadler Toyota. Mm-hmm. You get that Doc's mansion is destroyed from the newspaper clipping, which we see you know, later on. You know, His mansion's still there, but then in the 80s it isn't. You get the plutonium. They set up the plutonium, which eventually you know, gets into you know, uh, Doc with starting up the DeLorean and mm-hmm. feeling the time travel and stuff. And you get like... Marty's love for rock and roll as he, you know, starts up the the amplifier, mm-hmm. which really makes no sense except for the fact to set up that he likes rock and roll. Yeah. Like, if you're going to go to school, why did you, like, start the amplifier and, like, do a riff before going to school? Like, I don't know. Just doesn't make sense outside of that aspect. But it's just kind of cool how they set up in that opening scene, and it makes it seem seamless. Like, it's a continuing shot of just the clocks and, like, you know, seeing the toe spurning up and seeing the plutonium and the dog can stuff, which you get, he has a dog, which we mm-hmm. see later on. Like, this movie, like, not just that scene, but a lot of scenes before we get to the 50s sets up so much 
that is paid off either in the 50s or -hmm. when Marty goes back to the 1985. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I mean, it can be a little too much at times, but it's kind of cool to see that, you know, it pays off to pay attention. In multiple viewings, I think you definitely pick up on a lot of the stuff that they set up. Mm-hmm. And I've watched this movie a lot of times. And I think it pays to realize, oh, yeah, you know, the truck that they show, like, for a second, you know, he sees that at the end. Like, just kind of little stuff like that that, you know, you, you feel, you know, rewarded as a viewer for paying attention. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is kind of screenwriting 101 of how to set up stuff in a film in the first act that pays off in the third act. Yeah. And it really starts with that opening scene that you're talking about, which is really cool. Yeah, and just, like, the title. When, begin- like, oh, Back yeah. to the Future comes, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm intrigued, yeah. you know, with that whole title that you're talking about. Because, so. you know, the, the screen, you know, the back from Back to the Future, back. you know, uh, mm-hmm. goes back, like, from the right mm-hmm. to the left, and then to the future starts up. Mm-hmm. It, that's just really cool. What a cool yeah. title, you know, Back to the Future. It's so simple, but yet it works. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's pretty cool. And, and the lettering of it, too, is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. So, uh, DeLorean? Probably the coolest movie car ever. Yeah. I know there's it, probably debates. It rivals but, Kit, you know. Yeah, if the DeLorean talked, yeah. that's all it needed to do. It just needed to talk a little bit, <laughs> yeah. and it could rival Kit. Yeah. Let's just say, do you want to go back in time, Marty? <laughs> what? <laughs> Don't give me that attitude, Marty. <laughs> Uh, but it, it's just so cool. Who doesn't want to be in a DeLorean because of this movie? I know, right? <laughs> like, who doesn't want a DeLorean? Like, after watching this the first time, I think I told my parents, I want a DeLorean car. No, you don't, though. <laughs> now, uh, just to be clear, those of you who are thinking about buying DeLoreans, first off, it's a stick shift. So if you don't know how to drive stick shift, which I don't, you're already out of contention for that. <laughs> I hear it barely goes over 50 miles an hour. Like I hear it's a very slow engine. Like they had to replace the engine in this car just to make it go faster to go to 88. <laughs> but it's it looks so cool. <laughs> it does. Which the only reason they had the DeLorean was that way they could have the joke with the farmhouse. Like it looks like a spaceship. Cause that's mm. the only car that has the door at the time that goes up and yeah. looks like a spaceship. But it's it's still cool. It's such mm-hmm. an iconic vehicle in film. Mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, music. So so good. <laughs> I mean, Alan Silvestri, who did this score, man, there are a few scores where I can just imagine the director sitting there hearing the score to their film. And just probably sobbing in tears of how good it is. I, I could imagine being a fly on the wall with Star Wars. Like hearing that John Williams score for the first time with my movie. Oh, just probably sobbing. Can make you cry even now, just in a trailer. Oh, no question about that. Chewie. Or Jerome. Or hearing Jurassic Park for the first time uh, yeah. with that score. Yeah. And Back to the Future. Probably hearing that score for the first time. I would mm-hmm. love just to hear Robert Zemeckis's look for the first time. Because I love this score. Not just the main theme, which the main theme is iconic and amazing and everything, but even the score throughout the film mm-hmm. is just so good. You feel emotion when you need to. You feel intensity when the scene's intense. It works. Uh-huh. They've even described 
the music as a character in this film. And yeah. I believe it. Music should be a character. It really should. Because a movie, I think, either is made or broken with the score. Yeah. And a movie with not a good score is not going to keep people, especially me, invested. There's a quote I heard about Star Wars that Star Wars music, John Williams, is the blood of Star Wars. Mm. When, like, the movies are, like, the heart, but what keeps it pumping and what keeps stuff stable is the music. I think that's a really good analogy. Mm -hmm. Because if you think of all the films we talked about so far, Jurassic Park, Star Wars, Mm -hmm. this movie, and many others, you know, with such iconic scores, like, they Mm -hmm. may be good films, but would they be as iconic? Would they be as good as they are without those themes to accommodate all of the scenes that goes with it? Mm -hmm. And I don't know if this film would be as effective if we didn't have that score going throughout the film Mm -hmm. and the scenes where it needed to. So I think Alan Silvestri, I'm not a humongous fan of his. I mean, he does have some good scores. He has some okay music. But this, he is absolutely on point with this movie. So good. <laughs> so good. So good. Um, Biff, the bully. Oh, Thomas F. Wilson. Yeah. Man, what a guy. <laughs> Which, what's interesting about Thomas F. Wilson playing Biff First off, I've heard he's the nicest guy you could ever meet, yeah. which is kind of cool how actors, like, they find something inside themselves to really play someone who's opposite themselves. Mm-hmm. I think it's just kind of interesting how they're able to do that. <laughs> but when they originally filmed this, they did not have Thomas F. Wilson playing the Biff mm-hmm. because, well, they, they were going to have the other guy, one of their goons play uh, Biff. Like I think one that has a shaved head, I think. Mm. He I don't he barely says anything, but he was going to because he's sort of the same height as Marty, so they wanted that to kind of, you know, have someone be the same height as them. But when they recast with uh Eric Stoltz, they got Thomas F. Wilson because Eric Stoltz was a tall guy and they mm. wanted someone to match his height. They didn't want a little guy, you know, trying to beat up, you know, Eric Stoltz. Which which worked for that, but then once they recast with Michael J. Fox, they had Thomas F. Wilson. They still had him, and they decided to keep him, you know. But he works. Like, he works as this bully that's just so annoying, <laughs> and it's kind of dumb. Yeah. Like he says, the quote to Marty, why don't you make, like, a tree and get out of here? <laughs> like, that is not how you say that quote, dude. Yeah. But just a lot of his lines, like, what? butthead mm-hmm. and you know i don't want to see you anymore i want to see you around here mcfly <laughs> what oh. i told you about coming back over here mcfly oh mcfly your shoes on time <laughs> oh, gotcha gotcha uh he, he, he's just so good like like he, he you're just, so gullible mcfly it he, he, it's just the epitome of the high school bully yeah. who just will not stop tormenting you you know who who will beat you up at a given notice mm-hmm. like, he, he's just really good at that and his performance is definitely consistent throughout the rest of the trilogy, if we were to review it. But in this film in particular, he is awesome. So good mm-hmm. as Biff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just say my last strength, and you can go on and talk about others that you have. All right. Um, <laughs> the idea that uh, um, you go back in time and you see like the life of your parents and you weren't expecting what you saw to be true like i don't know mm-hmm. i i kind of i like enjoying that you know I, I i like enjoying 
Like going back in time, seeing how your grandparents got together. Going back in time, seeing that your parents went together. And having to be the conduit that brings them together. Accidentally. Yeah. Because you change time. Um, it's a really fun, neat idea. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I awesome. I agree. Like, that's such a unique idea that I don't think really had been done before. Mm-hmm. And which is funny, the, you know, that's kind of how the movie got started. Because the writer of this film went home after making one of his films that turned out to be a flop. Mm. He was looking at his parents' house inside their basement, and he found his dad's old high school yearbook. Mm. And he realized that his dad was the president of his graduating class. And he didn't know this about him. Mm -hmm. And he wondered if he would get along with his dad in high school because Mm. he didn't get along, the writer didn't get along with his cross president Mm. so i wondered if he would be friends with his dad or if he would hate his guts Mm -hmm. so that kind of spurred the idea to eventually get to you know what this movie is about Mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting you know like you kind of wonder about your parents when they were younger like they tell you stories about growing up and Mm -hmm. and and all that stuff and my parents have told me stories growing up when they were in high school or growing up and i wonder like how it would be you know being there at that time with them like would i be friends with them would would they want to hang out with me or is what they're saying true or is kind of a fluffy version mm. kind of like how you get in this movie where you know lorraine you know gives a fluffy version about like how her and you know george met and you kind of get the idea that she was this good innocent kind of girl whereas when you go back there you realize she wasn't innocent at all no. she was boy crazy yeah so that was kind of a little fluffy storytelling there. And, of course, with George, you know, saying, oh, I was just watching birds when I met you, when he was a peeping Tom in real life. Yeah. So it's just kind of interesting the idea to be like, what if we could go back to see our parents? Mm-hmm. Like, would would it be true of what they said, or would we like them, or would it be the exact opposite, and would we not be friends with them? Yeah. Like, such a cool idea for a time travel story, you yeah. know, which I think works very well mm-hmm. displayed here. Yeah. It's just awesome because I love that. I love history. I love family gene- genealogies and just it would it would be so cool to. I don't know if it would work. I'm mean, obviously it would obviously be terrifying because this movie does. But the premise of like you would end up probably erasing yourself, and I would even say this: as soon as you even go back in time, you're creating a new timeline. Yeah, because you weren't originally there, so things are going to be way different. That mm-hmm. space was supposed to occupy nothing. But now you're standing in a space. Yeah. And that occupation is now going to change because you're standing in a space you should not have been. Even if you do nothing, you're still going to change the future a little bit. Yeah. Just by, like, moving the leaf to the left would change time because that leaf is supposed to land to the right, you know? Obviously, it could be a small change and not be anything particular. But by running into your dad accidentally you could really change some stuff you know which he eventually does change Mm -hmm. you know by changing the past by changing how they meet each other which will already create a new timeline which it does Mm -hmm. which we'll kind of talk about that a little bit how that particularly works yep but yeah that that is kind of the interesting thing about time travel yeah you know but i guess i can give a few um positives that haven't been talked about uh, we we, are, we talked about some of the main players of Back to the Future and how their performances work. Mm-hmm. But I do want to give shout-outs to Crispin Glover and Leah Thompson, who played George McFly and Lorraine. 
I really like their performances. Yeah. Like, I, I like Crispin Glover. He's kind of a... Kind of has this weird kind of performance going on with him. Mm-hmm. Kind of quirky a little bit with his mannerisms and just the way he talks mm-hmm. and the way he laughs in the pre-1985. After after Marty goes back to the back to the past, then back to the future. That's not his dad anymore. His dad changed because Marty influences dad and yeah, and he's a completely different character too. Yeah, so it's just kind of interesting because you have this guy who's you know this pushover mm-hmm. kind of guy, you know, kind of a nerd, and you see it going back that he is a nerd and still that kind of pushover kind of guy. But then when we get to 1985, the alternate one, you know, mm-hmm. he's this more confident kind of a little bit suave kind of guy, you know. Mm-hmm. Which is just kind of cool to see that actor kind of do different portrayals of his character. Mm-hmm. He's just really good. <laughs> well, watch the movie. You'll, you'll understand that laugh a lot more. I feel like I can quote that laugh in my sleep. <laughs> but on, And with Lorraine, uh, played by Leah Thompson, I really like her, how she starts in the movie as being, you know, this person who has regret of her life like you kind of get that she has this regretful marriage you know she's not happy with her life she's an alcoholic and Mm -hmm. she kind of you know looks back on regret on stuff and you kind of get from what she says that she's this you know that this person who you know kind of grew up you know uh uh, what's where i'm looking for like in a bubble Mm -hmm. you know uh and but once you get back in time like you see that switch of like that girl who's just boy crazy i think that's just a cool kind of way to play it you know like i think it takes a a good actress to kind of you know play someone who's like this this kind of obsessed person about like wanting that guy you know being that girl who's a boy chaser i'm sure there's a term for that but i'm not quite Mm -hmm. sure yet at that point but i think she does a good job of doing that even providing you know some great comedy you know marty be such a square anybody who's anybody drinks <laughs> or or even after that like he's like oh you smoke too she's like, you're beginning to sound just like my mother which is the reason why she doesn't smoke in the future which we now see marty in and like the entire family looks more polished and less more neat is because she didn't end up probably quit smoking and quit drinking because of marty's one conversation with her Right, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see what else have we talked about yet. I think the movie's funny. I, yeah. I I really like the humor in it. I like the humor with Doc a lot. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Him and Marty, I think, have the best humor in this film. Mm-hmm. Like Doc's, you know, over the top mannerisms to Marty's great comedic timing, like him responding to situations in the fifties. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just so good from. You know, when he's on the bed with Lorraine to falling off, you know, great timing to, you know, when she touches his leg at the dinner table, he's like, oh, oh I gotta go, I gotta go, uh, you're all are great, so I'll see y'all much, much later. Yeah. Like, I, I just like his respond timing to it. Like, mm-hmm. I think they're both great. And of course, a lot of the, the jokes are just so memorable in this film. Uh, uh, I mentioned one about, you know, Lorraine saying, you're beginning to sound just like my mother. But of course, the classic, you know, Ronald Reagan joke when Doc asks, you know, Who's president of the United States in 1985? Mari says, Ronald Reagan. And he's like, Ronald Reagan, the actor? Oh! And then who's vice president? Jerry Lewis? <laughs> I, I, I just love that quote. And just knowing the history by it, because Ronald Reagan actually loved this film. Mm. He watched it in the White House when it came out. And the projectionist, as soon as that quote happened, he laughed so hard. And he wanted the projectionist to stop. 
and rewinds the tape so he could watch it again. <laughs> it's just awesome. He loved this film. In fact, even in one of his speeches, like a couple years after this film came out, he even used a quote from this film in his speech. I forget what the speech was about, but I know the quote he says, and where we're going, we're, we're going, uh, I forget exactly how it goes, but uh, something about the future of America. Mm. He's like, where we're going, we don't need roads from that famous movie, Back to the Future. And it's like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. So I think the the comedy works. I mean, it's kind of hard for me to to judge the humor because I've watched this film so many times. Mm. Like, like none of these jokes are like laugh out loud kind of jokes because I've seen it so much. Yeah. But I still think they work really well, even after repeat viewings. And I think yeah. that shows the quality of joke telling. Like, mm. if you can still even chuckle or laugh a little bit after watching it like hundreds of times, you know? Yeah. So I do think it's good there. Uh, let's see. Uh, I do like um, like the idea about standing up for yourself that this movie kind of presents a little his, bit. His dad. Yeah, like his his character journey of like you know being able to stand up for yourself and not letting people mm-hmm. bully you for your entire life. Because you see that he's the kind of guy that lets people bully over him, which translates even to his adult life. Mm-hmm. That people still, uh, even Biff, you know, 30 years later, still bullies him, is still in control of him. And, you know, once he stands up for Biff in the past, in the future, he doesn't, you know, have, you know, Biff has no control over him. You know, he is in control of his life, and he, you know, stands up to Biff, too, and doesn't let him, you know, con him or anything. Mm-hmm. I guess it's just kind of... Um, a cool idea. Like I don't know if that's intentional by the filmmakers, but just watching it this time, I just kind of like the idea of like not letting people stand up or uh, not bully you around, but you have to stand up for yourself. Mm-hmm. Cuz kind of as Christians, you know, we're kind of the bullies in this world, you know, like mm-hmm. there's people that want to bring us down, you know, mm-hmm. we're kind of the minority in the world. Yeah. And stuff. And I just like the idea of like standing up for yourself cuz if mm-hmm. you don't, then that will affect you for your future, you know, mm. you won't change, you know, you'll still be that person like George was who kept being bullied throughout his life. Yeah. I just think that's kind of a cool idea. And I mean, like I said, I don't know if the filmmakers were intentional about this or anything. They may not have been, yeah. but I just kind of got the idea of watching it this time of just, you know, not letting people, you know, bully you around, not letting people trample over you, but just standing up for yourself and what you believe in, you know, stuff. I think it's kind of a cool idea that's mm-hmm. in here, you know. I I like um um that like even though this movie is kind of like you would kind of suspect that because at the beginning, like his dad is a pushover when it comes to Biff, mm-hmm. but like like it's interesting now to think about like the timeline that he is now in. His dad got bullied, and. But if you were, if, if, uh, if, if Marty saw that his dad in the new timeline now is just, you know, he's, he's confident, he has his wife, everything's going right, great, and you went back into that guy's past, you realized he got bullied. And it was kind of like, just, you know, it would be kind of, I think, cool, a part of us going back in time to see what, like, your parents struggled with and see where they are now, and they've kind of overcome he overcame bullying, and now look where he is. He's a lot more confident, and Biff is subserving him, you know, um, in the new timeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just it just cool idea to say that. And also, and you could put, like, I can never see this, like, I can never see my dad or this person 
being that kid. Like, I can never see my uncle being the bully. I can never see, you know, my brother doing this. Yeah. But they were that. I mean, it's a different time. It's the 1950s. Stuff was Mm -hmm. going on. Your parents were teens. His parents were teens in the movie. Yeah. They had their own parents. And one of my kind of highs is kind of like, the the slogan that we have, which is that apple doesn't fall far from the tree, mm-hmm. um, and that like, Marty is, like not girl crazy, but he's all about Jennifer, yeah, and obviously Jennifer's all about him, and it's it's a good relationship, but you could say it's kind of because his parents were like really, kind of all for the opposite sex as well, yeah, you know his mom was all for boys, his dad mm-hmm. was a you know peeping, peeping Tom. Tom, yeah, and. When they had Marty, you know, his, his, his clearly his sister wants to have a relationship. We don't know if his older brother has a relationship yet, no. but she was asking about girl boyfriends and all yep. that stuff. And he's he has a girlfriend, and it was like, well, these two kids have a family, and these are the kids I could see. So when we get to the end of the movie, and Doc is like, it's your kids, Marty, your kids, mm-hmm. they're terrible. You know, you gotta save your kids. It's like whatever Marty whatever his weaknesses are that's what his kids are going to be in a way like yeah we aren't our parents weaknesses but we are summed up in their failures and mm-hmm. we're summed up obviously you could say uh just in human wrongs and all that stuff that we're all not perfect but we're summed up because no parent can parent perfectly Mm-hmm. Um, so all that I yeah. think is also in this movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's super intentionally. Yeah, but... I think you get that more in part two than you do in yeah. this one. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, you definitely see a little bit from that. We also kind of get the idea too of like you know if you you know I mean there's this famous quote in the film like if you put your mind to it you can accomplish anything. Yeah. So I think there's also the idea of like you know you are not necessarily you know set in stone of what you're going to end up to be. Because mm-hmm. Mari talks with Strickland at the beginning of the film, and mm-hmm. Strickland's basically saying, no McFly ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill Valley, and mm-hmm. you're going to be basically the same way. But Mari's like, well, that's going to change. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, you know, and, Mar- and Jennifer reminds him, like, it's what Doc says. If you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. That's kind of the idea that, you know, kind of translates to George, really, because, you know, he put his mind to his stories, and he became a successful author. Mm-hmm. You know, he wanted to save Lorraine, which he did, and he, you know, got her and had a better future for it. So, so you kind of see that idea of, like, the, the you know, you're, you're not destined necessarily to end up like your parents or mm-hmm. to end up in a dark future just because, you know, you're you're predisposed to it, which I mean, you can kind of see that in a sense, but you can also kind of change your future mm-hmm. if you put your mind to it. You know, you can do mm-hmm. what you want, kind of, which that movie, I think, kind of explains a little bit, too. Yeah. Uh, but I do like uh, just a couple more of good things. Like, I really like uh, that there's some good intensity in this movie, mm-hmm. uh, like intense scenes, like from when Marty's, like, trying to chase away the Libyans and the mall scene like the music is intense I do like that scene mm-hmm. to when Marty's like chasing uh running away from the bullies from the skateboard mm-hmm. which that's just a fun iconic moment from the movie yeah and of course at the end when you know they're trying to get Marty back to the future and almost everything seems like is going wrong nothing's going right with a fake tree limb kind of falling on the cables and all that stuff and it's just cool because you 
you know, I mean, you know he's going to go back in time, but it's just the intensity of getting back there. It makes the moment bigger than what, you know, it's it could be on paper. And you can say that's a little too overdramatic, and I can kind of see that, you know, I've heard complaints about that. But I do like it. I, I think the music's good and all that. And so, like, even though it is, you know, a comedy and there is some dramatic elements to it, there's also some intensity to this film as well. Like, there's no action scenes in particular, but it's just intense moments that just, you know, kind of put you on the edge of your seat a little bit, mm-hmm. which I really like. And, of course, I mean, one of my favorite scenes is, of course, the Johnny B. Good scene. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Play, playing that song, which that originally was going to be cut, mm. by the way. Like, I think... I think it was going to be cut where Marty would save, you know, his parents and then he would go and, you know, go back to the future. Mm. Like they didn't, they weren't going to have that scene originally, but test audiences reacted so positively to it and they kept it in. And I agree with that. Like, it's mm. just so much fun seeing, you know, Marty just kind of rock out to try to be good and, you know, putting his 70s, 80s kind of rock knowledge into some of those moves like the... Mm-hmm. You know, the Jimi Hendrix, the tar, tar Behind Your Back, the Chuck Berry Duck Waddle, if you're a fan of rock, you know, these moves. And it just kind of ends with everyone not getting it. And he's like, you guys aren't ready for that yet, but your kids your are going to love will. it. And I was like, yep, I kind of love it too. Mm-hmm. So that's just a cool scene. I really like that. And just a cool effect at the end of the DeLorean flying away, which for those of you who may not know, Back to the Future was not originally supposed to have a sequel. They didn't even know Back to the Future was going to be successful. Like, that was, like, Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis' first successful film together. They didn't know if it was going to be successful or not. But it turned out to be, which is what got them to do sequels. But I think it's just a fun way to end a film that was originally designed to be a one-off film. Like, just a kind of a cool... It's a little bit funny joke about the kids. But yeah, just a cool idea of, like... The future can be kind of bright because Doc, you know, is the famous last quote of the film. You know, he says, roads, where we're going, we don't need roads. And they fly off in the DeLorean. So it just kind of mm-hmm. makes you think that, huh, the future might be a bright place after all, you know, because, I mean, you have flying cars. Like, how could you not want flying cars? <laughs> may not want a clear tie or sunglasses you can't see out of like Doc wears. Yeah. But it, it's just kind of a cool kind of bright spot to end the film like a way of hope because the beginning of the film is kind of a little dark and bleak a little bit you know with the 80s stuff and then bright with the 50s but and a little dark at times with the 50s but kind of ends on a bright spot too i think that's kind of a cool way to kind of end the film especially Mm -hmm. for people watching it at the time i'm sure we're probably like what the deloreans fly like what (laughs) i'm sure that's probably a cool way to end the movie Mm -hmm. just many people want to have the sequel Mm. i think that's kind of cool one of highs for me, of course. Nice. But, like I've mentioned multiple times, no movie is ever perfect. Nope. Unless if you have any more positives. Nope, I, I'm all good. All right, let's get to negatives. Negatives. What do you got, Z-Man? Well, above all, I don't like the terrorists. Yeah. How is it possible? Like, what? They drive like, in a German VW bus wagon with a Russian gun, and they're Libyans. And the guy clearly driving is not Libyan or whatever race is supposed to be. Especially, you know, Libyans. I think that was an '80s kind of terrorist group for a couple years. Like, it's such a deep cut to the '80s. No one understands. I don't. I didn't understand until looking it up. Yeah. But they really 
are pointless. I mean, I get to have, like, the plot line of Doc dying and yeah. stuff, and how do they get the plutonium, but at the same time, they're kind of thrown away pretty easily, because at the end, when Marty goes back and tries to save Doc, like, they run into a photo hut stand, and they're never seen or heard from again. Mm-hmm. Like, it just... They're just kind of pointless kind of characters. They're only there to really advance a subplot in this movie. Yeah. And they're just kind of lame. Like, they can't hit anything. No. Like, Doc's, like, right Except in front Doc. of them. Apparently. Yeah. And they has to be standing still for them to hit him with his hands up. <laughs> they executed him, uh, you know, execution style. Like, they can't hit nothing. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. And I just want to say, how do they get a rocket launcher? I, I can't. I was like, <laughs> I can't believe that. <laughs> I've watched this movie so many times, but that's still kind of ridiculous. <laughs> like, you're going to blow up the DeLorean? Wow, that's being discreet. <laughs> that's not going to make the news the next morning. Car gets blown up in a mall parking lot. Yeah, that's not going to happen. How do they find him in a mall parking lot? They found me. Or even go a step further, why does Doc build a bomb for these Libyan terrorists. Like, how does he get in contact with them to build this bomb? And why would he be so stupid to trade them the the plutonium with a case full of used pinball machine parts? That's not going to end up well, dude. I mean, that's your own fault for getting killed. You do not mess with terrorists. No matter how dumb they may be. Because they will find you. Baskin Robbins always finds out. Baskin Robbins always a little call back to Ant-Man. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, this kind of now makes it kind of weird that his mom had a crush on a man that looked like her son. So when she has a son, the son looks identical to the man the woman had a crush on in high school in 1955. Yeah, that is kind of a little weird. Because <laughs> that was some of my questions. At least change Marty's look a little bit, you know. Or something. You could have, you know. Because that was some of my, like, a couple of questions that I had. Like, wouldn't they recognize that he was the person that they met? He's wearing the same years clothes, like... except he takes off the jacket. Exactly. He sounds the same. Mm-hmm. He looks the same. And George even says, like, that's some great advice you gave me. I'll never forget you. I'll never forget what you said. Mm-hmm. So if you'll never forget Marty, how do they not put two and two together? I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. But yeah, it is kind of a little weird if you think about it too much, which I think you're not supposed to, but <laughs> yeah, that's kind of weird. Which is why I did, because this film had a difficult time getting a, a production company to back them. Because mm-hmm. no one believed in this film, because these guys weren't great filmmakers before this movie. <laughs> and they, everyone said for them, like, go to Disney go to Disney, they will accept this movie. Mm. And they take they took it to Disney because they were desperate. And Disney didn't accept this movie because they took a look at the script and they were like, oh, the son, the mother falls in love with the son. That's too dirty. Like, mm-hmm. that's not good for us. And I can kind of understand why, looking back on it. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, and probably my greatest weakness, this movie, is that it should be PG-13. Yeah. Because PG thirteen really is a false advertising by saying this is a PG movie. They say Jesus Christ too many yeah. times for it to be PG. Yeah, that, that's the thing. There is a lot of language in this film, and it's marketed as a family film. Yeah, like, like they do have this movie played on family television stations. Well, and with the mom and dad being like very like boy and girl attractive, like 
peeping toms and she mm. just wants to touch you know marty in the lower regions you know and stuff like that and to think at the time this movie by studios one of the reasons why they rejected it because it wasn't too raunchy like it wasn't raunchy enough for them like raunchy comedies back in the 80s mm. so you think boy if this wasn't deemed raunchy like what is raunchy to them yeah but you know i, I can definitely see that and that's because pg-13 really wasn't invented till the late 80s you can thank uh, Temple of Doom and Gremlins for that mm. also. Because Temple of Doom having a guy's heart being ripped out. That was PG. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I want to fly in today's standards. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. Like, it is kind of a little false advertising. Which is why when you watch this movie on a family television station, they excise a lot. It's like, they have to read up a lot of the dialogue mm. from swearing and uh, words they say and stuff. It would honestly make me, like, my future generation like a son or something or like any teen that wants to watch this they need to be a good enough age to watch yeah. this movie they I can't th- be like 13 and watch this yeah. movie they need to be mature as yeah. well cause like if you're immature you know high school age is good age but anything oh, less yeah. than that no yeah yeah like I would say older than 13 for sure yeah yeah probably like 14 or fi- maybe 15 I would say mm-hmm. you know just cause for the language and stuff this isn't I mean like it's not like super duper raunchy like oh this is a sex comedy you know i mean like i get like there is kind of a wholesome message to it you know which makes it a a, you know a couple steps above a raunchy comedy Mm -hmm. but there is some stuff that is kind of unnecessary that kind of brings it down a little bit Mm -hmm. i definitely see that And, and again it just kind of depends on your maturity level how you kind of see it and how you proceed moving forward if you want to watch this movie for that reasons Mm -hmm. which i totally understand yep all right, I guess I can get to a couple yeah, of negatives if you're... I'm good. All right. Uh, well, you did mention the Libyans, which which is good. I, I had that. Uh, what doesn't kind of make sense, kind of, that uh, I think is kind of, I don't know, doesn't make sense, is kind of a negative, mm-hmm. is the DeLorean doesn't work. Because the DeLorean works fine when Doc is testing it in the mall parking lot. Yeah. And it seems to have worked just fine. Otherwise, he would have probably told Marty, oh, I had a problem with the starter and stuff. Mm-hmm. Which, if he had said that, that would have been like, oh, okay, that makes sense. You know, he's had problems with the starter and stuff. You know, he's going to get that fixed. But the car just seems to stop for no reason. It can't start. And even when, like, he's going back to the future, you know, when he's at, you know, the town trying to get ready to, you know, drive the DeLorean to 88 miles per hour, the car stops for no reason. It just seems so out of place. Which... It's never touched on again in the sequels. You know, mm. it's just kind of at that point in time. And it just seems like, oh, it's there just to create dramatic tension, you know, a little bit, you know. I don't know. It just does kind of make sense for me. I wish that they had set that up better instead of just having it kind of there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think that would have been better. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of something that I didn't really think made much sense. Uh, I feel like there might be a little, you know, because... I've watched this film a lot, and I know the stuff that they have set up that does pay off at the end. And I do like that. That is one of my praises that we talked about, about how this film sets up stuff that pays off, you know, in the third act. Like, set up stuff in the first act that pays off in the third act. There might be a little too much. <laughs> like, like, if you pay attention, like, it seems like, oh, does everything have a payoff in this movie, mm-hmm. you know? And I could kind of see that as being a little thing. Like, they might be a little too much, you know, paying off with stuff. Which, I mean, it's not necessarily a super bad thing, but it is kind of... It can also get to the point where you're watching it, and it's just kind of like, okay, watching watching this scene, that's going to pay off at the end, you know? It, it kind of... 
I don't know. There's a there's a balance to have a right amount of that. You know, it's not, you know, not to have too little mm-hmm. and not to have too much. You know, you should have the right amount. And this film kind of has a little too much, but I still like it. It's just kind of a little nitpick I have. Yeah. Um, eighties. Um, I I've watched some eighties films. Uh, you know, over the years, some t- television shows that are set in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't really know exactly how the 80s looked like back in the day. I didn't grow up in the 80s. But to me, for the like looking at the 80s, you know, I, I want it to be a time period that I want to go back to and mm-hmm. stuff. But this movie, how they present the 80s, is kind of bleak and dark. I get to have the contrast, like I mentioned, between, you know, the dark, you know, the rusty, you know, broken down 80s to the, you know, brand new, you know, mm-hmm. renovated 50s kind of look. But at the same time, you know, you, you kind of want to have the 80s kind of look cool, you know. But it just doesn't really look that cool at all. And I don't know if it's because of the time travel and stuff. Because we don't really see the 80s with the new timeline. Like, I don't know if the time, you know, if that yeah. would have changed how the 80s looked at all. Which, oh, well, I mean, you do see it a little bit. It doesn't change. It doesn't change a lot. I forgot that the scene where Marty goes back into the Times Square and stuff. Yep. So, I don't know. I just wish it kind of looked a little bit better, you know. But it does make the funny joke about Marty seeing all the, all how bad the 80s looks. And he's like, oh, everything looks great. Yeah. Red. Oh, it looks amazing. Yeah. Like, that is funny. But at the same time, like, I'm sure people, you know, growing up in the 80s would be kind of mad to see, oh, they make the 80s look bad, you know, that kind of stuff. But yeah. I don't know. I just kind of a nitpick. Biff, um, it kind of goes a little bit out of character towards the end of the film. Uh, I mean... I get he's drunk at the dance, mm-hmm. and him and his buddies are drunk, but he kind of goes from being this bully that's annoying, that, you know, kind of picks on people, you know, is mean, to being someone who, for what he does to Lorraine in that car, at that, again, I get it, it's the 50s and stuff, you know, yeah. time, times are different, yeah. but I'm just saying, even in the 80s, like, I think that would have been, he would have been arrested, oh, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm just saying. So it kind of goes a little bit out of character for him wanting to do what he does to Lorraine, you know, in the car when George mm-hmm. comes and confronts him and stuff. It just seems it's a little kind of on a left turn kind of shift in Biff's character a little bit that doesn't mm. quite make a lot of sense. But uh, it's just a nitpick there. And my biggest kind of negative, which I, which I think is the problem with all time travel films is the time travel rules kind of don't make a lot of sense. I'll get it in questions, but yeah. Yep, can, which, which first of all, how does Doc know these rules of time travel in the 50s <laughs> since he... Hasn't did, created, created a time yet. machine? Exactly. He yeah. hasn't time traveled. I guess he does say theoretically, mm-hmm. but it's a theory. You should have proof of this. But, you know, besides that, like, the rules of, like, Marty disappearing, like, when he changed the time, uh, his parents meeting their, themselves like in the in the past. Yeah. When he alters that, theoretically, yep. it, it may, should make sense that he should disappear from right that then. timeline. Yes, <laughs> instead of just having his older brother first disappear, yep. and then his younger sister disappear, or older sister, and then himself disappear last. Like I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense. Which I feel like it probably would be the opposite, right? Because the longer it takes for them to get together, maybe. The, the the least odds of them having three kids. Maybe one. Just the older brother. Maybe the and, second one. And would they be the same as they were... Yeah. You know. 
But again, I get why they do that to have a ticking clock mm-hmm. of having, you know, Marty having that photograph for reference. It's like, oh, I got to get, you know, these guys together and stuff really quickly before I leave and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense with, you know, time travel logic. Like, I get it. Time travel doesn't exist, so we can't have logic, you know, for time travel. Yeah. Uh, there's no such thing. But it just seems for logical sake that that doesn't really make a lot of sense. If we do get to the sequels of Back to the Future, I even have even more issues with the time travel issues. But that's just a, a kind of an issue I have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even with, like, how the ending changes in, at the end of 1985. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, it just... I get the characters changing. Like, I think that that is cool, how George changes, how Lorraine changes and mm-hmm. stuff. But having the house look nice and having new appliances and that kind of stuff, I don't know if that's necessarily, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, a, a change that makes sense. Yeah. It does kind of speak to the 80s kind of commentary about, like, money, you know, the me generation, about, mm-hmm. you know, success is defined by wealth. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that as kind of a... Kind of a a placement of 80s kind of ideology but it just does kind of not make a whole lot of sense like just because their characters change does that mean that they have a nicer house and better jobs and stuff i, I yeah. don't know like i don't know that's just kind of mm-hmm. i don't quite understand that either it's so true for the dad of, but because he writes his own book yeah like him being an author i think that makes sense mm-hmm. just kind of having the nice house and having everything cool and nice like even having Biff, oh, well, I'm not going well, to get to that, but but just having the nice house and stuff, like I don't know if that necessarily kind of, you know, makes sense to me. It would have been fine for me, and I feel like you have a little bit of a point there, if they had, like, the, like his brother or something try to drink or smoke in the house, and, like, the mom's like, no, put that away! It's bad for your health. Why, Mom? Because it can ruin you in your future, you know? Mm-hmm. Just a call back to when Marty said it to her in the car ride, you know? And it kind of shows that they're improving their living quality because of what Marty did in their lives in 1955, but yet they're not perfect at it yet, and their children are still suffering from the same things they suffered. Mm. But does a better life equal having better things? Mm-hmm. That's just kind of my thing that I'm... That yeah. I'm not quite sure if that message is particularly a great message to have. Like, it's kind of the 80s message of mm-hmm. wealth, having a lot of wealth you is better. You got the truck. You got the truck. He yes, the girl. You're having a good life. He has his family. Yeah. But I'm not sure if that's necessarily true. I mean, obviously, I don't think it's true from my theology and stuff mm-hmm. of being a Christian and stuff. But it just kind of seems a little, a little out of left field a little bit and kind of shows that this is an 80s film mm-hmm. a little bit, which... You know, kind of stamps it on a time period a little bit more. Yeah. But uh, that's all I have, though, for negatives. I don't know if you have any more. No, that was all I had, the ones I said. All right. Now let's get to questions. Um, you, We already just talked about this, but I... I question, which is what one of your weaknesses, how, like... Like, I've even mentioned it in just talking about time travel, but, like, if you go back in time... There's going to be, like, changes, catastrophically, because that DeLorean showed up in a road where it never showed up before. It was never supposed to be there, unless you have the philosophy that time travel, it's like just one big, it's a circle. Like, what came first? 
the chicken or the egg. Yeah. In this movie, you can debate what came first, Morty talking to his parents, which created the new timeline, mm-hmm. or the original timeline, and he goes back and talks with his parents. Or is it supposed to be the the other way, where it's Morty shows up from the future in the past, and then he changes stuff, and then their lives continue on? Or is it the way we watch this movie? Which is just, it's again, time travel. It can't be explained yeah. in all different types of time travel shows, do different aspects. Like, Endgame kind of did the one where every time you go back, you create a new timeline. Mm-hmm. and But that does not change because as hulk says that's your past and you can't change your past because you're in the present but and this movie goes with the exact opposite yeah that if you affect anything in, in the past, past it, it will affect your future affect your future which i would align more with um but again just again a question of like that's the way they go for all that stuff so yeah Mm-hmm. I mean, they try to set rules. Which, but... no matter where it is, there's always cracks in your rules and cracks in your foundation of your yeah. time travel. There's always plot holes that you can find for your rules, mm-hmm. which what we already talked about. Mm-hmm. So the time travel in this movie doesn't quite make a whole lot of a sense at times. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, so you can ask any other ones. All right. Um, just at, at the beginning, that's you know just another like question that I always had, like, you know, Marty, you know, with the clocks, you know, he he realizes that, you know, once Doc says him, like, all his clocks are exactly mm-hmm. 25 minutes slow, and he's like, so you're telling me it's 825? I'm late for school. You're like, when he know that what time it is already before mm-hmm. he gets to Doc's? And he even has his wristwatch, which I checked, and he does have it on when he's at Doc's house in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's like, when he know what time it is already, so wouldn't he not be shocked? That he's late for school. Like, I don't know. It just... That didn't quite make a lot of sense to me. Um, and also, like... Um, just a kind of a time... <laughs> talking about time. Like, a, a time kind of issue. Like, like we, we see Marty, but, like, when George and Lorraine get together and, you know, after George, you know, docks, uh, mm-hmm. docks Biff and gets Lorraine and stuff. Like, we see that's 9.30, and it's about nine fifty ish when he nine fifty five when he yep. gets to Doc. Yeah. Like, how is he able in twenty minutes to play for the band, play play the the two songs that he does? Mm-hmm. Is able to, you know, have that conversation with George and Lorraine, change and make it to Doc at that time at, in like twenty minutes or whatever mm-hmm. how long it took. I don't know. It just this seems a little too. Uh, too convenient. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't quite get how he can do that in that length of time. Yeah. But he, I guess he must change pretty quickly, I guess. Um, so the the scene where, you know, he, he's getting ready to go back to the future in the 50s and, you know, he's in dis- distress about Doc not tearing up the letter and he's like, oh, I wish I had more time. Oh, yeah, I'm in a time machine. I can just go back early and warn him. Here, 10 minutes ought to do it. And I'm just thinking... Why don't you go back later? Another well, day. Yeah, or even just an hour beforehand. Or, yeah, even a day beforehand. Like, you're in a time machine. You don't have to have ten minutes. I mean, I get to have the tension and stuff about him being there just as Doc dies and stuff and seeing that. But, again, like, realistically, we would go back later than what he did to warn Doc. Where is Doc at the beginning of the movie? 
Is there a reason I, why he can't go back an hour or a day? I, I assume he's still at the at the mall, mm. like at, like in his van and stuff. I okay. mean, I assume we don't really know because mm-hmm. he's calling from from wherever he's at to tell him to meet him at the mall that mm-hmm. night. So I don't know if he's at the mall or if he's somewhere else working on the time machine. We don't really know. Yeah, but still, like I would think, you know, if you go back at least an hour, you would know that he was at the mall, so you could warn him. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of a question. And one last thing, like from what Biff does towards the end of the movie, you know what he does to Lorraine and how George stands up to him. Mm-hmm. Why does Lorraine and George still have Biff around, like waxing their car and having him deliver packages to their house? Like I don't know if he was that kind of guy. Like if I was married, which I'm not currently, <laughs> and if someone did that to my future wife that I was going to eventually marry, mm-hmm. even though he might not be dating yet, but still, I would not have him around my house doing odd jobs around the house. I- I'm sorry. I would not want anything to do with him. Even for the car joke they do yeah. in the beginning that they do in the end that he's, no, not destroyed the car. He's waxing the car. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it is funny and stuff. I mean, if you mm-hmm. don't think too much about it, it's kind of cool. And you do need to see what ended up with Biff and stuff. Mm-hmm. I do get that. But it just doesn't kind of make sense yeah. why they still have him around. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but George, you're a little too trusting there, my friend. Yeah. Even if you have a change of character and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, man. Don't, don't, don't complain to us if something bad happens. That's all, that's all I'm saying. Here's a question. If you could go back in time and see one event from your mom's childhood... And one event from your dad's childhood. What event would you like to see that they've told you? Ooh. Ooh. That is a tough, a tough one. Um, huh. I don't know. Get back to me on that, because I'm sure you have uh, two moments that you would... Um, I I would like to see, because uh, my dad is not on uh, our following he might be listening to this i don't know but i i assume not if he didn't sorry dad if you are um but my dad was not a believer when he grew up Mm. so at any point i would just want to see how my my aunts were all my dad's sisters like my grandpa like i know what he is now you know i know what my grandma is now but like like on halloween uh, he has a story of when he drew, he had to like dress up as like a girl as like a funny joke. Oh yeah, because his uh, uh, my aunts, his sisters played on it. And, like I had a dare to do, and like my dad did that, and he was also known as being you know a good looking guy. He was blonde, you know. He played sports. He had three sisters. He was the only guy because his younger brother passed away as a child. So like. And just, I don't know, I would just love to see, because if you don't know, I live in the house where my dad grew up. Mm. So it was like, my room that I sleep in is where my grandpa slept. And where my parents live, which is the bigger uh, bedroom, that's bigger because I had to hold three girls. My brother is where my dad grew up, in that room. Um, my parent, my grandparents eventually got divorced. So like, it's it would just be like, really cool, I think, to see... His life, in different aspects, see him go to a soccer game, see how if he was a good player, mm. see him go to, you know, his public school, how he was in class, you know, to see what my home was like when my grandparents owned the home with my dad growing up. Hmm. And, like, for my mom, who may be listening to this, I would love to obviously see my, you know, my uncles and all that stuff, her two brothers, but, like, just 
see what it's like to go to a Christian school because she went to a Christian school and uh, a faith based church and like what she was like and uh, if I'm anything like her in a way because obviously my dad would be a little different because my dad grew up as a non-believer so I would say I'm like my dad but I'm not like my dad in that sense because my dad grew up a non-believer I grew up as a believer so my only reference to see who I would be like would be probably like my mom hmm. probably get a lot of and I my mom mentions I'm a lot like her older brother like a lot and just looks and personality and I just love to see her older brother Scott and what he's like because I know who he is now and how goofy he is and hmm. all that stuff and uh, just going around knowing how much I know now about like the which would be their present growing up in the 70s you know and all that stuff because my dad was born my mom my dad was born in 64 so mm. like he's not a 50s he's not like he's not a teen in the 55 he's not born yet he's a he's a teen in the 70s okay. so he's he's virtually marty almost just marty by 10 years he's marty of the 70s in a way you know mm. so like just to see what it's like to be in the 70s and 50s, like, 70s age of... Like, my dad always has this joke of, like, when my grandpa, like, watching the news and Jimmy Carter does something and he goes on a presidential address and he says, America, put on some sweatshirts or something because it's going to get cold. You know, turn off your refrigerators and your air conditioning. And he wants you to get more sweatshirts because cause of the crisis and all that stuff with the economy at that time. And he's like come on and they just, they just didn't like jimmy carter and all that stuff hmm. just to get their views on all of that stuff and where it is like huh. that's so interesting just a world to explore huh. and maybe i would do it with a delorean if i could uh, i would definitely do it with the delorean if i could yeah if someone taught me how to drive one <laughs> but i did think uh, as you were which that's cool you know uh, how yeah. you would want to see your parents but just thinking through like my parents like i think for for both my parents, I think it would be cool to see them growing up. Because mm-hmm. uh, two out of the four grandparents that I had died before I was born. Mm. My parents have told me great stories about like their their moms or dads growing up, which I never got a chance to meet. So mm. for my mom's side, I would definitely want to meet my grandfather, mm. who died four years before I was born. Yeah. She's told me great stories about him growing uh how he was a respected member of his community and how he was such a nice person knew a lot about hunting mm. and all that kind of stuff was a big giants fan mm. you know when they were good back in the day yeah so i would just i, I think i would love to have a conversation with him oh yeah because she said that like he would really like me if he mm-hmm. had got a chance to know me i'm mm-hmm. like hmm, i wonder if that's true or not yeah isn't it kind of like funny that like obviously i'm thinking about my great grandpa who i'm my middle name is named after like Meeting someone that you're named after. Like, because of you, I'm named this. Oh. Apparently, we're close in our philosophies and our, and what we believe in our, in our likes. Like, I'm a Browns fan, you know? And, like, my grandpa, my dad's dad, grew up in Cleveland, where the Browns were in their heyday, you know? Yeah. The Jim Brown days, before they moved to Toledo. And it was like, and the Indians were on there. That's when they won the World Series, was in 1948. My grandpa would have been a child, you know. Mm. He wouldn't have known it. But he would have remembered the excitement of the last time the Indians won the World Series, which is still sad. It's been since 1948. (laughs) It's been so long. But, uh, like, my dad remembers all, you know, the the Cavs, the Cavaliers, started their franchise 50 years ago in, like, the 70s. So, um, 
just to see sports and to see all these iconic heroes, see MJ. Like, we never get to grow up to see MJ. We never get to grow up to see Magic and all that stuff. They got to grow yeah. up in their decades, which we have our own decades in our eras, mm. which they don't understand as much. And we're like, no, these shoes are so cool. And they're like, that yeah. ain't nothing that compared ain't to what we, we had. What we had growing up. You know, up. And, and now they're upset that everything's going back to 80 and 70 nostalgia because in our yeah. decades now, we can't create any substance mm. in a way that's refreshing. And we're just putting on stuff from the past, you know? Right. So, and they're like, we did it better. Mm-hmm. I have to say, in some ways, they did. They, yeah, in some days, yeah, you're right. They, they primed did, yeah. this idea of all this stuff that we now like. All right. the music that we love, mm-hmm. and the Guardians music, and yeah. other famous rock, it started yeah, in those it start, years. Yeah, it started in those decades, you're yeah. right. Which is funny about that, like, just thinking about my mom growing mm-hmm. up, which... If you're listening to this, Mom, I know you're subscribed to this. I apologize if I embarrass you for this <laughs> in advance. But she she's told me some stories growing up. There's two, well, one uh, clear story that I remember. And one, like, I looked at her yearbook picture and saw how she acted. And I want to see, like, how that was. But the one story that I remember is, like, she grew up on a farm, which would be mm-hmm. interesting to see her growing up on a farm working and stuff. Mm-hmm. She told she's told me about this story growing up about this one chicken that she did not like. Like, it, it would chase after her, and it was mean <laughs> and everything, and she didn't like that at all. And so, like, her dad, my grandpa, taught her how to use a, I think it was a pistol, to, to shoot the chicken and kill it. And so she, one time after school, like, the chicken was just so bad, she she got that pistol and shot him with, mm. with her dad teaching her how to do it. Mm. Like, it ran around, like, you know, bleeding everywhere and, and eventually dying. Like, I would just like to see that story kind of come to life. Can you see that being your mom now? No. Yeah. No, because she, I've never seen her hold a gun in my life. <laughs> I've never seen her, like, interact with a chicken or anything. So I just think that would be interesting to see her, like, as growing up, like, a, a farm kind of girl, like, growing mm-hmm. up on a farm and how she interacted with, yeah. you know, her grandparents and stuff. Because I remember my grandma, her mom, like, growing up, she died when I was around six years old. Mm. So I think that would be cool to see that kind of interaction. Mm-hmm. But what I'm really curious about is her high school years. Mm-hmm. Because she's told me that she grew up uh, a rock fan, a fan of classic rock, which is kind of, I think, where I got my love a little bit from that, too, mm-hmm. her and my dad. But she she's a huge fan of Bon Jovi. Like, that's her that was her favorite band growing up. And she loved Twisted Sister, <laughs> a, a band from the 80s. And there's this one picture of her yearbook where, where she has a, a T-shirt on from Twisted Sister, and I think it was during a pep rally at mm-hmm. their... At, the high school and like she was like you know rocking out like going all crazy with her twisted sister shirt on mm-hmm. i'd be like i'm kind of curious to see her like rock out to twisted sister be kind of like that that kind of rock lover mm-hmm. i think that would be interesting to see her interact with that and how mm-hmm. she acted in high school mm-hmm. like i think that would be kind of interesting just from the different stories she's told me over the years. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm kind of curious to see how accurate you are in yeah. those stories. <laughs> <laughs> not, not any pressure or anything. <laughs> but with my dad, like, uh, his, uh, my grandma, uh, his mom on his side died shortly before I was born. Mm. And I would have liked to have talked with her and interacted with her and stuff. I think mm-hmm. that would have been cool. But I just think it would have been cool to have seen him in high school and college. Because my dad's not the kind of... I mean, he does open up, but he hasn't told me every single story about his life, you know, mm-hmm. growing up. But he has told me about, like, he was on the basketball team in high school, and 
he really wasn't that good with grades. Mm. But he was kind of like a jokester in class a little bit. Mm. I kind of would be interested to see how he grew up. And also how he looked, because if you see a picture of my dad, he ha- he doesn't have a lot of hair. No. He's he's kind of started balding. I'm sorry, Dad, but it's true. <laughs> and he doesn't have, like, any facial hair mm. or anything. But yet, when he was in high school, he had basically my hair, even a little bit longer. Wow. And he had a pimp mustache. I'm sorry, Dad. It's true. You know it's true. And he just, he looked so different. Yeah, my dad had a weird mullet and a mustache. It looks weird. Yeah, it it didn't look that good. Yeah. I bet. And he also went to college for a year, Mm. which he told me a little bit about college. He went to college in Williamsport. So I would like to have seen, like, him interacting with his buddies and stuff. Like, would I have been friends with him and, like, playing Mm -hmm. basketball with him in high school? And all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And maybe making fun of the way he looked and stuff would mm-hmm. have been fun. But I think it just would have been cool to have seen my dad grow up a little bit too. Yeah. Like I think that would have, that, that would be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Can't think of any stories in particular that I'd want to see. Oh, I thought, of, I just thought of one right now. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I'm not quite sure how this story goes, but like he was the, the second youngest in his family. There's, mm-hmm. I think there's seven, uh, siblings in his family five of them you know were older and stuff but he had one younger one that was born a year after he was mm-hmm. which both my parents were born my mom was born in 67 and my dad was born in 68 so they were around the age of marty you know in like mm-hmm. 85 and stuff mm-hmm. so they were teenagers in the 80s growing mm-hmm. up and he's told this story about like i, I think he was shooting his bb gun because he grew up in the country mm-hmm. and i think uh, my aunt was uh, with him playing with him and stuff and he somehow, uh, ex- I think accidentally, shot her in the leg with a BB gun. And he got in so much trouble because she was crying and, you know, that he hit her and stuff. And and he got in trouble for that. So I would have liked to have seen him kind of do stuff like that a little bit, kind of acting as a kid and kind of joking around and stuff, you know. And that would have been cool to have seen my dad grow up like that. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I think there'd, there'd be a lot of cool things I like to see my parents do. But I think the big thing that I would want to see, like, growing up is just to get a chance to meet my grandfather on my mom's side who mm-hmm. passed away before I was born and my my grandma on my dad's side before she died. Mm-hmm. Maybe even see my grandma on my mom's side, you know, because I have memories of her, but they're not strong memories. You know what I mean? Like, like they're not... I mean, there are some, but there's not like like you who has very vivid uh, memories of your grandparents. All my four grandparents are still alive. So, yeah, I still remember them. So I think that would be cool yeah. just for me. That'd be the big thing I want to see growing up, or if I had a chance to see my parents younger. Yeah. But. And I, that all comes from watching this movie. It that does. Started it all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I I will argue that this film started the craze of time travel films because mm-hmm. you know after the you have time travel before this film, which is kind of like dreams or kind of being transported to mm-hmm. other times, and then this film where you like go back through vehicles, through devices. Because a few years later, you have Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which they go back in time through a phone booth mm-hmm. and other things like that. Endgame and mm-hmm. Hot Tub Time Machine. Flash is that supposed up. to be the idea Flash. is Back to the Future meets superheroes. So. Yep, which you definitely get that watching Flash. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this film started it all, mm-hmm. which is so cool. So are you ready for the grade? I think so. All right. All right. Well, it is tough. Well, I, I guess I shouldn't say... T- uh, it's tough to put a grade on a film that you've watched for so many years of your life. Mm-hmm. You can quote it. 
it's influenced your life a, a little bit because I started liking classic rock music as a result of this film. Once I heard Power of Love by Huey Lewis in the news and hearing that guitar solo by Ed, Eddie Van Halen, who is a guitarist for Van Halen in the film, that made me want to explore those bands more, which made me explore more bands and more bands after that, which eventually gave me a love for classic rock and stuff, which which is so cool. And I even wrote a book when I was younger based on Back to the Future, more so a ripoff on Back to the Future Part 2, mm. if you ever talk about it, called To Save the Future. To Save the Future. I do remember. It doesn't sound any familiar with like any other movies that we just reviewed, right? Mm-hmm. Not, not at all. Mm-hmm. And I even so much so love Back to the Future that I even got this shirt, the white checkerboarded shirts mm-hmm. that he wore in this movie, which I'm wearing right now. Yeah. My Back to the Future outfit watching this film. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I grew up watching this film. I may be a diehard Star Wars fan, which I still am, as you know, from the Star Wars reviews. And I love the Marvel films, the MCU, and there's a lot of things I like growing up. But just watching this film, I was definitely impressed with this film a lot and this whole entire trilogy it just watching it just brings back so many memories of watching it growing up and just loving it and i mean for goodness sakes i could quote this film you know like Mm -hmm. it it definitely shows you how much i really like this film yeah i mean i've i've talked about some great positives from the performances to just the cool ideas that they have in this film and just the tight writing of just how you know, everything seems to flow well. Like, everything's in, like, one location, mm-hmm. and the plot just seems to flow. Like, not a whole lot is kind of out of left field or mm-hmm. contrived. Like, it just kind of makes sense because they set it up, and it kind of flows through the rest of the film, mm-hmm. which I think is a pretty tight script, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's pretty well-written, funny. It's just really cool just to see the time differences about how a kid from the 80s would react to certain things from the 50s. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's a lot of fun to see things like that. And you can even put ourselves in our, their shoes kind of like that. Like, how would we react to things in the 50s? Like, how we know it even today? Wow. Like, it'd be a bigger culture shock than it was in the 80s. Yeah. You know? Oh, there's no smartphones. There's no... No one is no saying, Wi-Fi. get this guy off this girl at all, you know? Yeah. There, there's no Wi-Fi, so I can watch YouTube? Yeah. What's going on? No this Fortnite, is, you know? No Fortnite, no, no Xbox. Warfare, you know? This is the Dark Ages. Mm-hmm. No cell phones? <laughs> no cell phones, Yeah. So it's just a lot of fun, and I I do enjoy this film. I have a lot of fun watching it, and I I just love the idea of time travel. This movie made me like the idea of time travel. Mm -hmm. Even though I think, you know, some films do it better than others, I still like the idea of being able to go back or forward in time. And that film, I think, really popularized the idea, Mm -hmm. which I think is kind of cool just definitely seeing that. There's some great scenes, again, great performances, it's just awesome. I I absolutely like this film. There are some nitpicks and negatives that I've already talked about that do kind of bring the movie down a little bit. I mean, it isn't perfect. There are there are some things that I feel like they could have changed a little bit that could have made the film a little bit better. And some questions that do kind of are raised after watching it. But, I mean, come on. This film... You know it's good when you can watch it all this time later and still have a good time with it. I am a fan of Back to the Future, and I think I always will be. This is this is a really fun film. It's a film I get excited watching every single time. It's It's got humor. It's got some intensity, you know, great performances. It's just... It's just one of the best films to come out of the 80s, in my opinion. Mm. It, it's, it's definitely 
up there with some of the best films from that decade. I don't know if I'll go as far as to say it's the best film of all time, but it is definitely one of the great films. Like, if you look at just some great, you know, films, not just a did time. If you look at Iran Tomatoes, it's pretty much one of the best films of all time. Oh, yeah, it is. That, that's yeah. for sure. I think it's, what, like a 94% Rotten Tomatoes rating? I just Oh, checked. really? Okay, yeah, yeah it's higher than I thought. Yeah, probably 90. Like, the same thing, like 97 for Empire and like 95, 95 for, for original Star Wars. So right. it's up there with those. So a lot of people love this movie. Mm-hmm. It's in the National Film Registry. And I agree. It's It really is, a say. it does say a lot about cultural differences. And it does say a lot about all the different things we've discussed in this podcast. Mm-hmm. So I do love this film. I'm glad we got the chance to talk about it. And I give it overall an A. I can't quite give it an A+, because there are some issues with the time travel mm-hmm. and some questions I do have of logic, but my love for this film is still up there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wore the outfit watching <laughs> this movie. I love this movie. So it, it is an A for me. I, yeah. I enjoy it. It's one of the films I've enjoyed the most talking about. And I think that you know, if you want a fun time, if you want a movie that's funny, that's got some cool sci-fi action, that's all that... and got great comedic performances that made the people who may have been famous at that point but made them superstars at that point this is the movie for you one of the best movies of the 80s and i get a strong recommend i'd say definitely check out back to the future it is a great movie that i love (laughs) i cannot emphasize that enough (laughs) i love this movie so as a person that has not watched this movie a hundred times less than he has just a few hundred (laughs) yeah that's not bad um i I haven't watched this movie a hundred times. I probably haven't watched this movie ten times. Probably haven't watched this movie... Have you watched it more than twice? Yes. Probably. Um, Oh, no. (laughs) He said probably. Oh, no. I know I've definitely seen so many iconic clips probably ten times, but if I said I've seen the movie all the way through five times, it would probably be a lie. Um, But I've seen the iconic, you know, the shot of him skateboarding away from the buffoons, like, so many times... Iconic shot. You know, the iconic DeLorean getting takeoff in the original mall parking lot. Like, I've seen those, like, certain scenes thousands of times. But, like, seeing him come back to the the new timeline, I haven't seen a ton. Mm. Because that's not in the iconic, you know, footage, you know. It's part of the hidden story. So, um, but, like, all the times Doc says, like, great Scott. And all the times he's in Doc scenes. Like, I've seen some of those a lot. um, For, like, like, explain time travel. And it gives, like, you know, this movie, you can have clips of doc explaining time travel so yeah i've seen certain scenes like a lot so um this movie um is it is good it's it's a good movie it's a good movie watch it watch it watch it (laughs) i I would say watch it um and if you don't like it because of the you think that the maybe the cussing is too far just don't watch it again i would say you had your one viewing and if you don't think uh Part two or part three are going to be anything good that you want to watch. I would say don't. I mean, I'm not forcing anyone to having to listen to movies that you're obviously you're not going to like yourself. Exactly. I want people to want to watch what they're going to have fun in. Yeah, no doubt. So, but if you are, which it won the poll, there are fans out there of oh, this movie. Oh, there are. Makes me happy. And for reasons, because <laughs> this movie, for me, gets an A-. minus. Okay. It gets a 94. Um, it's it's I... Don't have super attaching things to it. Um, I really enjoy Marty McFly. Um, 
you know, I, I really enjoyed his character. I really enjoy the story he goes on. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoy, like you mentioned, like defeating the bully, like having confidence in yourself, not giving in all the time and going back in time and seeing your family and how your mom is and how your dad was and how the bully was and how doc is and all that stuff. So, um, just, it's really cool. And this show is the birth to why we get flash and other awesome shows that are all time travel. And literally you could say some of the reasons they come up with time travel, like seasons to go on, on the flash or plot holes in Endgame are because of this movie kind of explains certain things. Um, and it kind of, you have to default to this, like, cause of this movie didn't have that much of like, well, that's a plot hole that really is really confusing with time that you have to kind of go by it. Like you cannot like this rule, do not talk with anyone. Do not mm-hmm. tell me about my death. Do not tell me the future. Yeah. Because if you do, it's going to cause a catastrophic time travel thing, mm-hmm. which all time trolls shows movies have to apply. Um, I don't know if this was the movie that created it, but... This, or at least popularized it. It really popularized it, and it um, gives it... It defines it pretty well. It defines the rules and the rules you should do, the things you can't do in time travel. And because some of those rules get broken, Marty has to, you know, do stuff on the whim. So, mm-hmm. um, I give it a 94, A-. minus. So... It's, it's a good movie. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's good. I mean, d- definitely check it out if you've never seen it. Yeah. It, it's it's really good. And it's one of the best time travel movies, one of the best movies of the 80s. It's mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I definitely enjoy it every time watching it. But, yeah. and we did it all because of you guys. So thank you guys for voting on the polls. We very much appreciate it. We had a, a, lot, of time, a lot of fun this week reviewing Revenge of the Sith, a movie I... Uh, loved growing up and mm-hmm. still like and reviewing Back to the Future yeah. that that was awesome so thank you guys for that but next week next week we will be going to Rogue One uh, uh, no, uh, no solo. solo that's solo. right I knew I was going to get that messed up I, I thought I was getting it right but <laughs> we're going to Solo that's right we're, we're going chronologically with you know the Star Wars movies as far as the timeline goes leading up to yeah. you know uh, Rise of Skywalker mm-hmm. so Solo will be next week but we'll also have another poll available for you guys so you guys can choose yet again yeah. as to the movie the second movie you want us to review mm-hmm. and we shall tell you guys right now what those two movie options are mm-hmm. so Zach Take it away with what your two picks are going to be for the poll this week. I'm actually, I, I I'm kind of debating which ones to put in, um, but I know one I need to put in because there's fans out there for Secret Life of Walter Mitty. He is going to get honorable mentions until he wins this. Yes. So <laughs> hey, I gave an honorable mention at the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> so, it, it gave a fight, a good fight. Um, I'm going to put that back up. Okay. Uh, and uh, if you feel free to vote for that, go ahead. Um, but uh, the second one, because I'm going to take Toy Story off. No offense to Toy Story. And I know we all love Toy Story. Oh, Toy Story is great. Um, and Toy Story isn't going to, um, you know, be like, hey, you didn't choose us. Because there's plenty of other good movies we can vote on and all this stuff. So um, I haven't c- can come to a one that is gonna be like 
hard for anyone to not vote against it. I don't want to be like put on something that's like, okay, everyone is going to choose Avengers Endgame. Don't yeah. have that on the poll. You know, we have to do Endgame in a series of, you know, yeah. top 10 movies of all time going or, through. Or Avengers films, yeah. however we want to do it. So, um, with that, I feel like my choice is going to be a good choice and it's a movie that uh, I think is awesome. Mission Impossible Fallout. Okay. All so right. I have Secret Life of Walter Mitty and Mission Impossible Fallout. It's going to be on our poll on Monday. All right. Awesome. That's some cool stuff there. Yeah. Well, I was thinking through uh, what I would put on the poll, and I did notice a few people voted for Rocky. So I will keep Rocky up on the poll, you know, just in case, because mm-hmm. Zach still hasn't seen it. So for those of you who are Rocky fans, and Zach, and if you want Zach to watch this film for the first time, I would suggest voting for it. Mm-hmm. But for my second one, I did have a choice what I was going to pick out. And I was talking with one of our listeners mm-hmm. uh, last night. So I won't reveal who it is, but I I just want to say that I greatly value the inputs that you guys bring like if you want us to review a film if you have ideas for movies to review i we respect that we honor it and he brought up an idea for a movie that i'm going to put up on the poll so in honor of him i'm going to bring up a movie that's a little bit out of left field so and because we reviewed back to the future i don't care what wins (laughs) you know we've got to review back to the future that was awesome but i'm going to put up as a little bit of a a movie that's kind of out of left field a mo- the movie called Unbreakable. Okay. It, it is it is a superhero film directed by M. Night Shyamalan, which is part of a trilogy of films that's culminated with Split and Glass. Glass came out earlier this year. Yeah. So, so it's kind of an interesting film, kind of an interesting superhero film. I don't know how it'll do, but I'm intrigued. And he brought up this idea, so, mm-hmm. so thank you for bringing that up. And I'm going to put that up there along with Rocky. Okay. So, yeah, that's the four. So, that's the four that's going to be on the poll. Mm-hmm. So, we'll, we'll see how it goes uh, this week, uh, this coming week. And whatever wins, we shall review on Saturday. Yeah. And uh, I know it's not, well, like, there's 20 people that vote and six do uh, the winner. Like, let's say six did Back to the Future. But then you had scatters of four four and four and four and then you would say that the majority are not getting what they want but then you guys did not come to a general consensus the winner was the person that voted the six that won so even though there are four and it's technically kind of a weird way of voting because you wouldn't think of it in a way that's like going in an election and voting because of our two-party system and like like, if it was Back to the Future, Secret Life of Walter Mitty, then you would have a direct one that one wants to do or they don't want to do. But yeah. because there's four choices, maybe you wanted to see um, Mission Impossible and you also want to see Rocky, but you don't know yeah. what to vote for. So, 
Um, that's why we're keeping ones that are popular on the polls, so that exactly. eventually they will win exactly. if they get the chance. Because if it's close, like Walter Mitty and Back to the Future was close for the poll, you know, yeah. we're not going to get rid of Walter Mitty because there's a bunch of you out there that do want to review this film, and we're going to respect and honor you guys mm-hmm. that do want to watch Secret Life of Walter Mitty and hear us talk about it. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do with the poll. So that's how that's going to work. Yeah. So don't worry if if your poll doesn't win and if it's a, a close one, like if it's one person voted for one film. We mm-hmm. may not keep that up there just because there's not a big uh, yeah. following for it. But like Secret Life of Walter Mitty, like that was close. I almost won. That we almost reviewed that today. Mm-hmm. Like we're gonna keep that up because there's a general acceptance of people who want to watch it. So we do this for you guys. This is all for you guys. Keep in mind. Mm-hmm. So so don't worry. We will respect and honor you guys for yeah. that. So, so that's how that, the polls are gonna work. Yeah. Stay listening for more stuff heading the way. So yeah, we have. Uh, that planned for next week but for right now this was the back to the future movie review hopefully you guys enjoyed it it was a lot of fun talking about oh, it i, know I had did. i had a blast i was i was ready for this movie and this conversation did not disappoint yeah. I, had, I had a fun time doing it so yeah so uh um yeah so this is the back to the future movie review thanks for listening yep, hope you guys enjoyed and we'll see you next time when we head back to the future See ya. Thank you, guys.